Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Hey everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Andrew, and uh, just a special shout out to our Mountain Park Church family and families, kids. I hope you're doing well wherever you're watching this or listening to this from. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, this is a special um, message. This is a bonus message, I'll call it. Um, so that we can get back on track with what's happening in our in-person services. It's actually been amazing to gather in person. Over the last month, we have two in-person services. And uh, if you're in the Niagara area, we would love to see you. Um, You can register online on our website for those every week for those services. But God has been doing some great things in those services as we regather, even though you know, we have these uh, restrictions and guidelines that make things different. It's actually been quite amazing still. And so I just want to uh, invite you, if you're comfortable, uh, come join us in person. Just a couple of things before we get into this bonus message in our Restart series. Um, if you are wanting to connect into a connect group, there's a couple of options for you. Uh, we have a Young Families Connect group that is meeting on Friday nights that's just launching, and I believe they're actually meeting here on site. Uh, so if you want to connect into that, you can email uh, Pastor Brenda. You can email her, brenda at mp.church. Uh, also, I lead a Connect group that's kind of an open invitation Connect group. Uh, James Rutherford and I are leading that every other Wednesday night here at the church. And all of our connect groups right now are actually studying a book called The Bait of Satan. It's a book by John Bevere uh, that deals with offense and anger and unforgiveness and hurt. And it is one of the most powerful transformative books that I have read in the last five, six, seven, eight years. And so um, we just are launching these groups, so it's not too late. If you want to get in and get connected, you can. Also, if you um, want to or are able to continue to give, uh, we would really appreciate that. Um, you can do that online. You can text it in. Um, and uh, But the best and easiest way is to go right to our website, mp.church, and give that way. Uh, Lastly, coming up in November, we are changing gears. Uh, We're going to head into our year-end series, and maybe in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk to you about the prophetic word that we believe God has given us for 2021. You know, even though we're in this pandemic kind of moment here, Uh, God is still at work. He's still moving. God is still looking ahead to the future. And I believe sincerely that he has given us a word for our church for 2021 and a word for your life for 2021. And so we're going to do our whole year-end series with that uh, starting in, I think, the third week of November. Also, that same Sunday in November, we're going to do our first sort of post-COVID 
middle of COVID uh, worship night here at the church. So you can look forward to that. So I'm going to shift gears here from announcement mode, and we're going to get into a short uh, but bonus message in our restart series. So if you're able to, I'd love for you to pray with me for just a minute. Father, we just, uh, we just take a moment right now just to breathe, just to sit in your presence. And Father, um, what we need from you today is the full ministry and work of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. Father, I'm asking that you would release to us today our daily bread, that you would release your very words that come from your mouth and from your throne over our lives today. And Father, in Jesus' name, we just command our ears to be open to hear, our mind and our heart to be open to receive what God is wanting to speak to us today. And we just surrender ourselves to you. We humble ourselves before you, Jesus, and we declare you Lord over our lives. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we just renounce and we cut off any assignment of the enemy. If there are any uh, demonic spirits wanting to actually uh, influence or distract or undermine um, the will of God for us in these moments, in Jesus' name, we forbid them from having any influence or activity. And I command them in the name of Jesus to go uh, and stand at attention in the presence of Jesus and be subject to his will and his desire. In Jesus' name, we just ask, uh, Father, that you would just teach us from your word right now. We give ourselves to you. Amen. All right, like I said, this is a, a bonus message. We're not even uh, talking about this live and in person. So this is specifically just for you. And I'm really excited about this. Um, it's been something that I've been processing for, um, I don't know, a number of months now. And it's uh, centered around a really famous verse. If you uh, have been a Christian for a while, you may know this one. If you are not a Christian, welcome here. Um, we're so glad you're here. This is one of the most foundational and famous verses of Jesus. This is a direct kind of a quote of Jesus's to us. So why don't you grab a Bible if you have one, grab your phone and pick it up and uh, open up to Luke in the New Testament, Luke chapter 9. And we're actually going to look at verses 23 to 25. As we talk about restarting, you know, we've already covered so much in this series. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it on our YouTube channel. Everything is there. You can uh, watch the worship sets. You can listen to the messages individually. But we've covered so much ground. We've already talked uh, about um, our need to hit a reset in our lives right now. Um, not just relationally, not just sort of with everything going on with COVID, but spiritually. And part of that reset is coming back to uh, what the Bible says is normative for a, a Christian life, for um, walking with Jesus. What does the Bible say that actually looks like? And we've talked about that. We've talked about the manifestation of God in us, that he fills us 
and that he empowers us. We've talked about the mission of God through us, that he has given us his gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We spent a few weeks talking about that. And in the next couple of weeks, Pastor Brenda is going to be talking about the ministry of Jesus to us, what he's actively wanting to do on a deep heart level, an inner heart person level in our lives on a continual basis. But today is is kind of this restarting again and coming back to what is most essential from Jesus in his teaching as it pertains to following him. So Luke 9, 23 to 25 says this, if anyone wants to follow after me, again, this is Jesus. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. What does it benefit someone? What does it benefit you or me? What does it benefit anyone (laughs) if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, he's talking about eternity here, but he's talking about um, how we are to live in the here and now so that we can be set up for eternity. So I just wanna make some brief observations for you and I as we restart our spiritual lives. This is like ground zero, foundational level stuff. Often um, uh, we we can get trapped into this way of thinking that, you know, if we prayed a prayer, you know, when we were three or five or, you know, uh, sometime at, you know, summer camp, um, you know, if we prayed a prayer one time, that's all Jesus wants from us. And that's actually not what the Bible says. And Jesus here is saying, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. I remember um, when I... Uh, first prayed to accept Christ into my heart. Uh, it wasn't at a church service. It wasn't at a camp. It was actually at our home. And my parents had rented way back in the day when there were VHS tapes. Now, if you're under you know, 35, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But there used to be these things called VHS tapes. And that's what you watch movies on. My parents had uh, got the VHS tape of a Christian movie called The Thief in the Night. And this movie was about the rapture, about the end times. And uh, I still remember it to this day. Larry Norman had the theme song uh, called You've Been Left Behind. Um, and, um, and that was, uh, you know, prominent throughout this movie. But uh, at the beginning of this movie, there were all these shots from the camera that were really disconcerting. There was a shot of a, of a sink um, that had its uh, a razor that was turned on, but the razor had been dropped uh, into the sink, an electric razor, like, but like a 1970s electric razor. So not a Bluetooth, USB-charged one, like a, a plug-in-the-wall electric razor, a big one, like a barber's one, was in the sink vibrating because it was on, but nobody was in the bathroom. And then this next shot cut to, you know, a lawnmower that was running on a half-mowed lawn, but nobody was in the lawn uh, or behind the lawnmower or on the lawn. And then the next shot was of two cars that had crashed, and one of the drivers was in one car, but no one was in the next car. And of course, these were depicting the, the rapture 
of Christians as a part of the return of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, there was this song of Larry Norman's going on underneath that, you know, you've been left behind mom and dad, da, da, da. And, and I could still hear it to this day and see these scenes. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified that Jesus was going to come back and my whole family would be gone, but I'd be left by myself. And so I asked out of fear that night if my mom would pray with me. And we did. And I accept Jesus into my heart. And for the next like month, um, I had to have all of the lights on in the upstairs, like in my bedroom. And they had to leave like their radio on so that I, uh, you know, could hear activity. Like I was terrified to go to bed because I didn't want to wake up all by myself. And that was my sort of, uh, I guess you would say conversion experience. And there's this idea in the church that, well, okay, that was sufficient. Now, Andrew, what you do is you just go on living your life the way you want to live it, because now you're saved. And, uh, you know, what Jesus is going to do is say, well done, good and faithful servant, when you get to heaven now. So it doesn't really matter what you do after that. And Jesus is actually challenging that idea. He's actually saying, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And that's actually going to be a death to yourself. And that's just not a one-time thing. That's an everyday thing. So let's just break this down a little bit. That Greek word that Jesus is using for follow means to go after someone in order to observe or monitor them. So it's like literally to be walking behind someone and observing how they carry themselves, observing the details of what they're doing and how they're walking and uh, what they're, what's taking place with them. It also means to uh, go along a route or a path. And so what Jesus is saying is, if you want to follow me, if you want to walk behind me and go where I'm going, all right, so ultimately, in, in Jesus' purview here is eternity. And really what Jesus is saying is, if you want to walk into eternity and spend it in heaven, in the presence of God, if you want to follow me where I'm going, because that's where I'm going, if you want to follow me to that destination, if you want to follow me to heaven and not hell, then in order to do that, you've got to actually not just pray a prayer one time and go on living your life however you want to live it, but you actually have to do some things. And some of those things that Jesus is talking about, he explains here. So it's really essentially like Jesus is saying, look, here's where I'm going. I'm going to the Father in heaven. And my mission is to redeem all of humanity so that whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. And I'm the first one in. I'm the first human being that's going to be reconciled to God. I'm making a way where there was no way before. I'm creating a bridge over this chasm between man and God. And if you want to follow me to that place, if you want to follow me to eternity in heaven, then it means that you have to deny yourself and follow me. If 
you want to be where I am, Jesus is saying, if you want to end up in my presence, in the presence of God, then it's going to cost you something. That word to deny in that original language means to refuse to admit the truth or existence of someone or something. It means to refuse to give someone or something what has been requested. So what does that mean? It actually means to deny ourselves is to refuse to give into the pull of our fleshly desire or of our culture or of the kingdom of darkness. To deny ourselves means to actually refuse, to actually refuse our, our own temptations and the pull away from Jesus. So Jesus is saying, look, if you want to follow me, you have to, de- you have to deny yourself. You have to reject those things in you that are actually trying to, to steer you away from me, to pull you away from me, or what God wants for your life. So those desires of our own flesh, the requests of our will to do what we want. Think of this like, you know, if you could, um, you know, uh, uh, picture yourself just sort of having a conversation with yourself. And there's the thing that you want. There's the thing that you desire. There's your stubbornness. There's the way that you want things to happen. There's the control that you want to have. There's the pleasure that you want to have. There's all of these things that you want to have. And they're constantly bombarding you and saying, hey, over here, look at this. Uh, Just do it, Andrew. Go online and look at this. You're going to love it. You're going to love it but that's not godly, but it doesn't matter. Just go look at it. Go do this. Go behave like this. Go speak like this. Go, you know, whatever it is to deny ourselves is actually to refuse that request. And if I I could be so bold and maybe so weird to you is to say we actually have to say and direct ourselves to say, no, I'm actually not going to satisfy that unhealthy desire and craving. I'm not gonna satisfy that request of my own flesh to sin against God or to live for my own purposes or live for my own pleasure or live for my own control or live for my own outcomes, my own direction. I'm not going to satisfy that request. I'm not gonna agree to it. And so Jesus says, if you wanna follow me, You've got to create a boundary, a healthy boundary, where it's actually his voice and his direction that you're following and not what you want, not your own. He says, he goes on to say that not only do we have to deny ourselves, but we have to take up our cross daily. Of course, Jesus is making reference to the cross that he bore, that he carried on his back, up to Calvary, the cross that he was nailed to, the cross where he died for our sin and paid the penalty and the price, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. This is the cross that Jesus is talking about. What does it mean for us to take up our cross? That seems a little bit foreign or weird or abstract. And I want to propose to you this, a few observations about that. What does it mean 
for us to take up our cross daily. This is part of the denying ourselves of Jesus's statement. So number one, taking up our cross is daily surrendering our desires to God. You know, Jesus, as he was facing his torture and crucifixion, he had a prayer time in the Garden of Gethsemane with God. And in that garden, he's he crying out to God in anguish, a bitter anguish like you and I have never experienced before. So much intensity and anguish that it says he was sweating drops of blood. Jesus in that place said, Father, if you can take this from me, what I desire in this moment is not to suffer, is not to uh, be tortured, not to have the flesh ripped off of my body, not to have my beard pulled out, not to be beaten so badly that my face is so disfigured I'm not even recognized as a human anymore, not to be insulted and ridiculed and mocked, not to be shamed. Father, I don't want to go through this. It's not my desire to do this. In and of myself, I wouldn't choose this, God. But picking up our cross is actually us daily surrendering what we want, what we desire, and saying, not my will, but yours be done. And that's the way Jesus ends this prayer. I think that there was this great moment of spiritual warfare and confrontation and so taking up our cross daily is actually surrendering daily our desires to God. The stuff that we long for or want, the things that even we've been anticipating and building up toward, those things, they could even be good things. Not all of our desires are evil or sinful. They could be good things, but those good things unsurrendered to God are still things that actually interfere with our walk with him. And so taking up our cross is actually surrendering daily our desires in echoing the prayer of Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. The, the call of scripture, the call of Jesus for our lives is to seek first the kingdom of God, to lay our desires at his feet, to willingly bring our desire to him because we know we can trust him with it. You can trust God with your desires. And when we are desiring things that are inconsistent with the nature or character of God, as we bring them to him and submit them to him, as we actually deny ourselves the satisfaction of tapping into that unhealthy desire, as we deny ourselves that, over time, God begins to reformat and, and, and rewire our heart desires so that in the place of that unhealthy desire, we actually desire what is holy and pure and right and godly and honoring. You see, 
by the time Jesus made it to this garden scene, the natural innate desire of his heart was to be faithful to God, not to live for himself. And taking up our cross daily begins with laying our desires down. So what are you desiring today? What do you fixate on? What do you daydream about? What, what keeps you up at night? What do you spend your time Googling every day and researching and planning for and thinking about? What are you desiring? Are you laying those things at the feet of Jesus and saying, not my will, not my desire, but yours be done? Number two, um, we need to daily surrender our will to Jesus. So desire and will are similar, uh, but not entirely the same. And when we are surrendering our will to him, that is surrendering our control to him and surrendering our expectations and plans to him. I'm by nature a pretty stubborn guy. <laughs> Just ask Rochelle, if I get something in my head that I don't want to do or, um, you know, that, that I do want to do, it's hard to knock me off of that. Um, but Jesus actually calls us in a taking up our cross daily to daily surrender our will to him. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There is an independence built into our sinful nature. This independence that says, I want to do it my way. I have an expectation of how I want this to turn out. I've been working toward this, building toward this. I want to have control over all of the parameters of this. And taking up our cross daily is not only surrendering our desires to Jesus, but the necessity of surrendering our control and our expectation of outcomes to Jesus. Surrendering literally our future to Jesus. And when push comes to shove for a lot of us, the idea of surrendering our future is a very unsettling one. And Jesus's invitation to us is to surrender our future and our will to him. You know, going to the cross for Jesus, like we talked about, that his desire wasn't to go that road. And he was basically saying, God, Father, if there's another way, if there's any other way, I'll take it. Not your will, or not my will, I mean, but yours be done. The cross was not the first choice of Jesus. And oftentimes the, the paradox of our Christian life or the life of, that God calls us to is to walk through things that aren't necessarily our first choice. And often we reject those things right at the outset because we're unsure of the future if we actually go through with it. 
We're unsure that God actually cares enough about our future to bring us through the trial, to bring us through the fire, to, to walk with us through something that seems totally counterintuitive and upside down. We just can't fit that into our logic or our, you know, our thinking. And so we go, in order to protect my vision for the future of my life, I am not going to do that, God. I'm going to go this way because at least I think that I can control what happens in that way. And when we turn this way, we turn away from the daily leadership of God and the surrender of our will to God. And we decide that we now have the capacity and the capability to control our own destiny because we don't trust God fully with our future. I want to challenge you that this baseline that Jesus is giving us here requires us to daily step into that place where we say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I trust you with my future. So if you're going to ask me, if you're asking me to do something that I don't understand, that seems foolish to me, you know, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, uh, Paul talks about the foolishness of the cross. To everybody else on planet Earth, the cross looked like the most idiotic, foolish thing. How, like, if you were the disciples or anybody standing there in the moment, you would go, how on earth could this have any redemptive purpose or value? And yet it's the very thing, the very pathway through which Jesus secured salvation for humanity, secured the entrance to that bridge from death to life. This is what Paul says. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Following Jesus seems stupid. It seems ridiculous. It seems ridiculous to surrender your will and desire to God and actually embark in a direction that seems completely foolish and counterintuitive. Paul recognizes this. The cross was not logical. And yet we have to surrender our will to God. Part of picking up our cross daily is surrendering our desire and surrendering our will. Being okay to step into that place that says, hey, logically, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't want this. I can't control this. This seems counterproductive and counterintuitive. And yet I trust you with my future. So I'm going to walk into that. And Paul says it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of God to us who are being saved. For it is written, this is God, you know, writing in scripture, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. You think that your plans for your future are better for you than God's plans for you? No, no, no. You've got to pick up your cross daily and surrendering your will is one of the components of that. Paul says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the, who's, who's so smart? <laughs> where is the de uh, debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. 
Jesus says you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Surrender your desires to God daily and surrender your will to him. There may be a direction, maybe even right now, you, there's this little voice or this little intuition, this, it's the Holy Spirit speaking possibly to you and you're going, you know what? I, I really felt like God was leading me in this way, but it doesn't make sense and nothing adds up and I can't figure out how that could possibly be beneficial for me. And so I actually kept going this way or I actually changed course and went that other way. And God is saying, no, 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 come back. Come back. Because to you, this seems foolish. This direction seems absolutely foolish, but it's actually part of my plan for you. And it's necessary for you to walk through it. Number three, and the last one, is that taking up our cross daily is a daily surrender of our need for or desire for the approval of others. <laughs> this is like the cross was the ultimate symbol of shame and humiliation. The cross was not only a symbol of shame and humili humiliation, Jesus was publicly paraded in humiliating fashion. The, literally, the God who created the universe, Jesus, through whom the stars were formed and the galaxies came to life, was uh, allowed himself to be beaten and bruised and tortured and then publicly shamed and humiliated by parading him, some say possibly even naked, through the streets with a cross on his shoulder and then hung up on that cross on a hill as an object of scorn and disdain and public mocking and ridicule. The cross forces us, it forces us daily to reject living for the approval of other people, living for the validation or seeking love and validation in unhealthy places, in unhealthy relationships. The cross forces us to trust God and look to him for his approval in our life, not to people. And yet it's so hard for us, <laughs> for me. I don't want to upset people. I don't want people to be angry with me. I, I want to please people. But being a, ple a people pleaser actually stands in confrontation with pleasing God sometimes. This is part of the cross that Jesus had to bear was that decision to say my approval and my value and my worth and my identity come from who the Father says I am, not from the words and accusations and 
bitterness and anger and hurtfulness of those around me. Taking up our cross daily is daily saying, Father, I will receive my value and my identity and my worth from you. I'm not going to be directed today in my decision making. I'm not going to be swayed or directed in how I follow you based on the approval of other people, based on the fear of rejection of people. So how many decisions do we make that we make out of fear of being rejected? Fine, I'll go through with that. Yeah, I'll do that because I don't, I don't feel like facing the consequences of, of rejection in these relationships. Think about your unhealthy dating relationships or even adults in your relationships with, with other people, dating relationships. And we're, we're, so, we're so afraid of facing rejection, of not pleasing someone that we give in and we go directions that God has never invited us to go and that are actually harmful and destructive for us. So we need to actually carry our cross and in so doing daily abandon our human desire to please people rather than God. Your value and your worth is not predicated on what somebody says about you, on the nickname that you've carried shamefully for so many years of your life. Your value and your worth are based on who God says you are, what he says about you, who you are to him, not to those around you. And Jesus faced this, like a test beyond tests with this. I can't even imagine the ridicule. I can't even imagine how badly he wanted to stand up and defend himself. You know, they were saying, Jesus, if you are the son of God, which he was, Come off that cross and prove it. How badly would you want to just shut them up? Some of you actually are so desperate for the respect of other people to keep your image intact, that you're walking away from God, that you've dropped carrying your cross, you've dropped it on the side of the road because you're more interested in protecting your image in being respected from other people than actually being validated and faithful to God. Carrying our cross means, number one, that we actually uh, reject our desires. Number two, it means that we actually surrender our will. So we surrender our desires daily. We surrender our will and we surrender our need for approval from other people. So the question I have for you today is whose approval are you seeking? This is something that God has been working in my heart with and in my life. Um, in the last year, he's been challenging me and saying, Andrew, you have this deep longing to be respected by other people and to uh, look for value and assess your own value based on how you feel people are or are not respecting you. And Andrew, that's not a healthy place. It's driving you off of my desire and design for your life. 
It's leading you to make decisions that are not best for you, that are unhealthy for you. That desire to please people comes from a deep insecurity in your life and in my life. And carrying our cross daily, taking up our cross daily is daily saying, Father, my identity and value are rooted in you, not in my performance, not in whether people respect me or not, not in whether people honor me publicly or not, not in the accolades that I receive from other people. Those are all false platforms that trip us up and trap us. But taking up our cross daily is in the same way, facing head on our identity in God and clinging to that, not being swayed to make decisions in order to please people, but making decisions that please God. So what are you hanging on to in your life today? What expectations for your future do you need to release? What expectations for your future are blocking your ability to trust God fully with your future? Are you trying to save your image and your reputation? Are you just focused on the external validation of people around you? These are all questions we need to wrestle with daily in the assignment of Jesus to deny ourselves and take up our cross. We need to surrender our desires. We need to surrender our will. And we need to surrender our desire to live for the approval of man instead of the approval of God. Let's pray together. Father, we, oh, we want to learn more about what it means to truly follow after you, Jesus. And so I just invite you, Holy Spirit, even in this moment, uh, you're not limited by time or space or internet bandwidth or, um, you know, video mediums or audio mediums. I ask Holy Spirit in this moment that you would interject yourself, that you would speak truth to every person under the sound of my voice and that you would just bring to the surface and clarify areas of their life that they need to surrender uh, in the areas of their desire, their will, or the approval of man that they're seeking. Father, I pray that you would teach us to follow Jesus, follow his example, to live a life that actually seeks your kingdom first, that trusts you first. And so Holy Spirit, just bring to the surface, reveal to us even in these moments, those areas that we need to bring to you, Jesus surrender to you and leave at your feet. Teach us to follow you daily, to trust you with our daily life, knowing that your plans for our future, your heart for our future is far more than we could ever hope or imagine on our own. Amen. Amen. I am praying for you this week and, um, I'm just praying that Jesus's words would actually provoke you, stir something in your heart to begin uh, that restarting of chasing after him, confronting your desires, confronting your will, 
and confronting your need to live for the approval of others. God is faithful. His plans for your future are exponentially greater than your own plans. You can trust him with it. We'll see you next week. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.